Today, I'm talking to Andy Hull of Manchester Orchestra. So yeah, this is still a thing. I still enjoy talking to people about the creative process and writing and making music in general. I also like creating stuff and making music myself. So this is just going to be something I think moving forward that I'll do when I have time to do it. And I'm not really going to work on intros that much. No one, no one clicks on your video or listens to your podcast for an intro. I mean, if there was somebody that's going to give me a lot of money for ads, then I would make something. I would of course make something. Anyway, here's my conversation with Andy. Andy, you have been admitted. Thank you. It's nice to feel included. Where's my video? There I am. Hi. There you are. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good, man. Your place looks great. Is this y'all's headquarters? Yes, this is the, the band headquarters here. Awesome. We've been slowly amassing gear since about 2002. Wow. Okay, so you've had it forever. We still had our van. Mm-hmm. We weren't selling the van in case like it all went away really quick. Yeah, we kept the van for a very long time as well. <laughs> yeah, sort of like you know the um, the the, pers- the personal bank account you're keeping on the side just in case that the stuff doesn't work out. We just got rid of our van like six months ago because it was infested with hornets. And it was like the same van that we got as a part of our first record deal, you know, that was like thrown in. Which at the time is really funny to think back on too, is the label was like, of course we'll get you van and trailer. And we were like, we just won the jackpot. It's basically, they're just like, here's your vehicle to go work. <laughs> yeah, a company car coming out of uh, your end of your five points on your record. Yes, your impossible to recoup van. <laughs> yeah, your impossible to recoup van. That's funny. I, I remember a friend of mine who was in a, a, a touring band that was in a bus was sort of helping mentor us at the time. And um, I was like, man, it just seems like that's once you graduate to this position, why would you ever stop, you know, touring? And he was like, well, the thing is like, this is sort of as good as it gets though. You've worked the corporate ladder as high as you're going to climb. Savor it. Yeah. I, uh, I felt like I was cheating the first time I was in a, a tour bus. You had some, uh, some scenester guilt that you'd like crossed a line or something and you, you were no longer punk rock. Maybe, or maybe just like, I was so relieved. Yeah. <laughs> just like, wow. I don't, cause I was always, you know, one of the, the, the main drivers too. So it was always sort of on my responsibility yeah. list of like, I'm going to get behind this thing and do Herculean, you know, drives. I'm sure for you guys, every time you started a tour, I was thinking about this the other day, we had the benefit of like Birmingham, Alabama and Nashville and Florida wasn't too far. For you guys to get anywhere had to have been a whole thing. Yeah, if we're going east, it's a, it starts with a drive. What t- I know, I've, you know, obviously like, you know, a ton about the history of your band, but I was curious you had mentioned when we spoke last that you guys were in high school when when a lot of you met, or at least you and, and yeah. the drum, your drummer, right? Yeah, this is our uh, this is our high school band. I love that. That's amazing. Technically, I'm also in my high school band, which is crazy. Started yeah, like my, my junior year, and I was 16 or 17. I have a, like a distinct memory for me of when I realized 
that there wasn't a backup plan to anything. And I think that's probably why it worked or why I was like dumb enough or steadfast enough to like continue yeah. to pursue it. Do you remember what that moment, what was there a, a kind of a, a curtain raising moment or an aha thing of like, I'm, I don't feel like doing anything else. Did you ever like, you know, cause I'm sure you also saw so many people that were amazing at music and super gifted that just didn't want to keep doing it. You know, whether it was burnt out or just whatever it was, but you know, so many bands that you're like, man, um, I wish they would have just kept doing it. Was there like a, a moment for you where you realized you were just going to keep doing it? Maybe 2011. Wow. It was the first time I was like, okay, I guess I, this is what I'm doing. I still so don't, really? I still don't really fully accept that it's real. Yeah, I love you that. know. I still, yeah. I still think, I still in the back of my mind think about like, well, you know, I can figure something out. I have a backup like landscaping plan that like I do have some friends who have a landscaping company. And like oh, worst yeah? case, I could just go out yeah. and do some landscaping, right? Yeah. <laughs> so 2011, like it always felt like we were getting away with something. Around 2011, it started to feel like, oh, this is what, this is. I guess what I'm doing. I'm actually doing this. I'm not, I'm not like doing this. I'm not like, uh, uh, I guess I just wasn't accepting that I, this is what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's That's sort of what like I'm a, curious about. Yeah. Was it like, because you seem like a present minded person, right? So like clearly you were thinking about it while it was happening, but. Yeah. But it was, was like, it was like a, like a such, such a present mind that I didn't think about a bigger picture, you know, mm. like. I better, uh, this is what I'm doing now while I'm able to get away with it. Yeah. And (laughs) it just, it just kept going. You know, we were, yeah, we were in high school and things slowly started taking off about my first year into college after high school. We would, we we would try to set up a gig every month because I was going to school up in Flagstaff. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was I wasn't thinking anything. Like it was just this is just fun. There was no expectations for anything. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like there was a A and R person for Capital at our gig. You know, and we all thought <laughs> we all we were all like, uh, all right. I mean, we'll have some funny stories about going to L.A. Totally. And that was the high. That was the the loftiest expectations we had. You know. Like we, we had songwriting gotten its grips in you at that point? Like, were you, you know, one gig a month, but were you writing a lot? Oh, or was all the it time. That, all the time. I was playing guitar all the time. I had my okay. cassette format four track with me that I was cutting stuff on all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to do something in music, but I realized, like, that's not a career. <laughs> I had that, I had, I had that in my music. mind. This is not a career. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I, I, I could make it a career, but that's, but that's like, I would have to take any gig that came my way. I would have to like be the guy that plays whatever a paying person wants you to play. You can do that and play music and make a living playing music. Yes. A good you one. Know, too, like, I got, I got, yeah. I got some really talented friends that that's, that's what they do. 
they get to play music for a living. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not knocking that really as a as a a thing if you can do it because still not everybody can do that. Like you got to be well. Good. And most of those people are way more talented than me yeah. or you musically. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. You got to be good to be yeah, that really person good. to get paid for it and actually get like gigs for that. Like an actual like, musician. The actual musician. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, like. I figured out pretty quickly early on that I would ne- I'm not good enough to be that kind of musician. Same. You know? So I had to sort of shift gears to be, all right, like focus on like musicianship and focus on like the quirks that I could sort of, that I liked in other people's things and sort of mm-hmm. exploit and build on in my own way. That, that happened kind of early on, like maybe in like seventh or eighth grade, I started making the shift from shredder metal guy to, um, more try to make my own things because I'd taken that as far as I could. But in, in, in college, I was taking um, classical guitar as like ah, cool. as like a thing. My idea was like, okay, I'm not going to quit on music. I still want to do something with music. So I was like studying classical guitar, which was awesome, but it was like took up all of my free time just to hang in that. Yeah, All I'm of sure. my free time, you know? And the stuff you're writing, I'm assuming it's probably, you know, influencing it in a sense, but it's not the same world of, of you know, theory and, and trying to, um, you know, educate yourself on something that's, to me, is like very layered and, and difficult, you know. Layered and difficult and a lot of practice, man. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of practice, a lot of, um, you know, I did get, I did get pretty good for a while. Like I could sight read things that were like really difficult I, I can't do that anymore it was funny like I, I, we went back and um we were rehearsing some of the static prevail songs and the just the, the forms that i was using in my left hand and like the picking combinations and stuff is like okay i can kind of see totally. how that translates to a lot of like that's fascinating when you're when you're playing classical guitar a lot you're you're doing multiple vo- you're trying to accomplish multiple voicings at the same time you're trying to accomplish like uh uh, accompaniment and 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 establish a theme at the same time. So, yeah. like in my electric parts for the band, I noticed I noticed that was, there'd be a lot of um, it just it would be sort of the same approach. Like you'd be moving around, you'd, you'd be implying or actually playing some kind of like chord progression at the same time as like the the, the melodic hooky thing you're trying to do in there at the Does same time. Does that still find its way in? The, I mean, obviously, like you're saying, you know, probably the, the complicated um, chords that you were used to rehearsing and practicing at a bunch of that time, but do you find that there's some of that stuff that still sticks in there or that you're like, oh, because there's something, I, I, I think about the subconscious thing that's interesting to me, especially when I go back and like listen or trying to relearn songs from previous records, I'm always like, huh, like I didn't mean, I didn't even know I was doing that but that's an interesting choice. And I understand why I was, where I was trying to go. I landed somewhere far different, you know, but I always like when I can sort of trace back, huh, you know, it was like weirdly pounded into me. You don't notice that until long after when you're, when you're not, when it's, you're not in the, you're not present in the state of that and you're not emotional about it. I got another question because I'm just going to nerd out about music with you. Yeah, um, man, that's why we're here. It's nerd. When do I get this opportunity? Let's clear to ask the room questions. of right. all non-nerds. <laughs> exactly. Turn it off now, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, objectivity is so important, and stepping away for me, I have found, has become like one of the most, if not the most important tool that I found when writing, recording, um, making an album, looking at an album as a whole. Um, 
I would get so frustrated trying to figure it out almost, you know, like those uh, Chinese finger um, trap things where, you know, the yeah. more and more you wrestle with it, the more you're just stuck. It's like quicksand. It always felt like a failure in, in, in my youth and like my late teens and early 20s and still probably like just got over it as I was entering my 30s, but like, and still working through it, but not being able to like muscle your way through um, or will your way through a, an artistic process, right? So curious for you, have you, is that an, is that a valuable tool for you, like stepping away from something and, and spending time? Or do you, I also know folks who like know what, that's what it is and it's done and it's dope to them and, and they move on. I guess it depends on what kind of progress you feel you're making. Hmm. There's definitely a point of negative returns, even if you do feel things are cooking. Indeed. And you're not always going to be able to catch yourself in that. Like if it's not happening, you're sure going to know it when you hit it. You know, you're going to know when you hit it. Like even capping a day I've found is like, can be very psychologically helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, if like you're cooking, but it's, it's getting a little late. The diminishing returns is so real where it's like, yeah, you're going to be fried. You're going to be fried. You're going to cross over into being fried and not know it until like you accidentally erase something. Cause you're slop cause you're, you're just getting sloppy yep. <laughs> or, or yep. like you, you chase the raw, you chase a rat. You're like, what, wait, wait, what am I doing? Like you just get off chasing a tangent to something that doesn't matter. Right. And then you're like, Oh wait, 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 <laughs> where are we going? This doesn't matter. When did you start recording y'all's music? I know you've gotten way more into that. I got my, I got my cassette, my Fostex cassette four track, at like 90, 1990, I think, 91. So I was doing stuff with that since then. I'm like recording. So when you would bring in other producers, were you still pretty hands-on with what was going on on y'all's records? Not, or did you kind of give really them the keys? Not really at first. I mean, I knew what to do with my insane <laughs> nest of Radio Shack highballs and, uh, you know. Sometimes the coolest stuff. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, I was, you know, I'm in the process of kind of archiving everything awesome, and like dumping that over. So I had to had, had actually get the transport fixed so I could play back and then dump it all into Pro Tools. And uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, because you got to make choices. Everything is destructive. Yep. Right. Because the more that you, because the more that you add the literally the more like sort of morphs into a thing, right? You're putting something <laughs> down and you're going over something else so you gotta choose what there's a lot of pre-mixing when you're bouncing stuff from like one two three to four mm-hmm. you know and then one two to three and then you have like two tracks left you know if you really want to get nuts you could go one two three to four and then one and two to three and then two and then bounce all of that to one and open up three more tracks that's when you get into that weird like elephant six you know, like Olivia trimmer control. You got to think about stuff in a different way. Totally. Than the non-linear digital way. Which is valuable. There is something, you know, I love listening to records and wondering, I wonder if they don't have bass in this verse, or I wonder if bass doesn't come in until this particular time because that was an, an actual decision or was that a result 
of right. how many things can we fit here, you know, until we reach this part. It's all to, to sort of like kind of jolt your your awareness, jolt your, your uh, level of presence with the thing, trying to um, get less of you in the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you think about it, like when you're really moving on something, you don't, you're not, you're not really thinking anymore. You're just, you're, you, you're just chasing ideas and yep. you're not aware. You're not looking to solve a puzzle like consciously. It's just happening. Yep. Like you instinctively hear the next thing and you just put it down, see what it sounds like, vibe on it. Is it cool? Yeah. And you'd instinctively chase the next idea from there. Every once in a while, you will bump up in, into a puzzle that your your instinct or it'll be eight hours later and you've had headphones on and something really hurts. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you'll become <laughs> more self-aware. Yeah. yeah. You'll become self-aware of the, of the situation and you'll, you'll be trying to solve the puzzle like logically instead of intuitively. And that's, that's where it, it can work that way. Sure. But it, it's not going to be the same thing as like, you're just digging from a different well, letting, letting mistakes kind of dictate things, letting accidents dictate things, intentionally taking breaks you know, doing things that to get you out of the picture, whether that's picking up an instrument you don't normally play. Yeah, what's what's the worst idea? Let's try that. You know, and then that generally leads somewhere right. great. You know, yeah. I mean, none of that's none of that is necessarily about generating the solution. It's about movement. Agreed. I mean, and that's and, and really that can be any suggestion. That can be any contribution. It's just about the movement forward. You got to really try not to be precious with anything. Especially in that moment, in like yeah. that creative moment. I, I totally agree. Where it's like you you just ride it, you know, wherever it is taking you and however that feels you need to go. Like I think overanalyzing too early is a huge mistake. Yeah, there's a time, there's a time to put on the editing hat. There is. For to sure. Get the lab coat out for sure. Um, it's almost to me, I find, you know, if I'm like working on something and then I switch speakers and all of a sudden I'm hearing something that I wasn't hearing before, I have to really like quiet the voice that wants to fix what's poking out of these sets of speakers because that's not the process that I'm in at this moment, you know? It's like, uh, we don't have to chase that EQ right now. That's not the point. We will get there. The thing that you're trying to fix may be just buried by the time you're done, it might not be such a such a, a featured thing, and it doesn't matter. I totally you waste agree. all this time fixing something and not responding. Something to I've really loved doing is like um, adding, 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 like and just letting ideas go off ideas and add, 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 and then just we're chopping everything. And it's and I find sometimes the coolest parts of a song and the identity, or even like a kind of the hook or whatever the thing is, sometimes isn't. I don't find that until like five almost cool enough ideas that end up then getting deleted. And now this is the main thing, you know, that we're sort of focusing on. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know that for a long time. I was always just an ad, ad, ad. Why does this sound muddy? You know, maybe we need to add something else. <laughs> no, it's yeah. getting muddier. You know, and you're making and then, an Andrew WK record. It's like, Oh, the, 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 the guitars don't sound big enough. Let's add more guitars. Oh, wait, the bass, more is, guitars. the bass is missing now. We need more bass. <laughs> totally. I don't know what yeah. happened to the vocals. Okay, get in there and cut 12 more vocals. It's like, 
there's that produces a thing mm-hmm. and that thing it is does. rad if it, you know uh, but, but but um agreed but when you're looking for space it's, yeah it's not know, everything <laughs> exactly or looking for um the like guy used to kind of take it um offensively if i would like kind of send demos to producers um and they'd be like yeah there's just like a ton of space you know like um there's not a lot going on you know and in my mind i'm like there's tons going on like the melody and the chord progression and all this and had to learn okay no that's a good thing that's actually exciting to a producer to go there's room here for this song to like exist you know and not be because I also think, you know, I don't know, you you made, you guys started making incredibly clean, great, even though they were raw, but like clean, awesome sounding records very early. Um, I, I'm curious about this, if how, if how how you went through this, if you did. For me, I kept trying to mask my voice a lot. So it was always like, let's turn the voice down a little bit more. Let's, um, maybe I'll sing a little uglier you know, I'm not really confident in exactly how I can do this. Maybe I get a little more guttural. Maybe it's a little, so it's, I was always kind of trying to make up for an insecurity. And then it kind of ended up becoming more bombastic. And there's some dope stuff that happened because of that, you know, and we kind of tapped into some of that like angsty doom, which I still love to dip toes into, but it's not like vital for me to feel comfortable with a song. How did right. you navigate is that, is that? Is that based on, you know? is that based on like, um, because your vocals are sort of hiding, it feels like uh, it feels kind of like subversive to poke out from it at some point, and then you, you sort of got comfortable with poking out, and and then yes, yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, it just felt more safe for them to not be right there. You know, I I, I just considered my voice another instrument, just like anything else in the band. Um, and then when we did this score for this movie, Swiss Army Man. Um, the directors asked us to just use vocals. So it was like, it was an Andrew WK record, but just vocals. So it was like 80 to 150 vocals of me, Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. And so I had to make this soundtrack for 13 months, just hearing my voice doing really weird stuff too, like not pretty. And the Daniels, they, they kept telling me over and over, it needs to be uglier. You know, maybe try getting drunk and singing it. It's just, it's like, it's too pretty. It's it's like, it needs to be worse. It needs to be worse. Yeah. It's so counterintuitive to what I was used to. Um, and I, I learned so much. And then basically, yeah, at the end of that, it was like, I understood that my voice was an instrument and I felt perfectly comfortable putting it right in the center of a song if that's what it needs to be. Also, just learning how to sing, you know, like that's a big I assume thing. you didn't take vocal lessons as you were growing up and there were, you know, I didn't like have training. It was just kind of trial by fire and learn how to not blow it out on the road and maybe, you know, how, how do I treat it a little bit better? How do I, yeah. you know, and then eventually, you know, like your voice, I've told you many times in the brief few months we've known each other, but I've always been blown away by how great your voice sounds live. It always has. Oh, thanks, um, man. And, but that I'm sure took you a while to get to that place of, of consistency and probably like maintenance and, and comfortability. We're just curious your journey on that. I guess having the vocals right on top of everything kind of felt like, uh, it was like half, half being self-conscious because I didn't feel like you're self-conscious, man. You know, mm, like, mm-hmm. and then other half, it's, it's like, well, that's not the kind of music we do. Or like, we thought that was, that was like, 
I don't want to say like not necessarily punk, but it was just, it just felt like you're adopting a, like you're compromising in order to be more popular hmm. in a way. Cause totally. It, or, 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 which is funny. It's to think less, about. it is funny when you're, <laughs> when you're thinking about it, you know, like, but now, a lot of, now a, lot of stuff, a lot of stuff when I was 19 is funny to think about now. Um, I did maybe about four or five vocal lessons with Ron Anderson in 99. And that dude was amazing. Like that, it the most, that was, that was the most, that was like one of the most, uh, crazy opportunities of my life. I think looking did back that on sort that. of set the, was, were those the building blocks of the stuff you learned? To, yeah. To maintain well, it vocally? Was just, he was a, he was a guy that, um, like he's like uh you know you sing anything for him he's like okay here's what you're gonna do like instantly knows exactly what you're doing where your problems are what you need to do to correct it how it needs to feel and it was really great about communicating that so he gave me like just I, I, I you know just before every gig i would do maybe about like 30 to 40 minutes of like warm-up stuff with the, the tapes i made from our our sessions and yep. like every gig you know i was just sort of like drilling what i needed to drill and you then had it. Yep. play and um that was just the foundation for like why i can talk now yeah <laughs> after so much <laughs> after so many gigs uh but i guess like when it, when i started singing better it felt like i could let the engineers push the vocals up a little bit more totally you know yes and um you knew you had a tool that was effective. It was, it was, you trusted it. I was being able to execute what I was hearing in my head closer, you know, and which I, is I, a very hard thing to do. Very hard <laughs> thing to do. And like, I didn't mind that I could hear it, you know? Yep. And plus like Mark Trombino was always great at making, making vocals sound good. Yeah. That, that I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I don't know. That's a great point too. Like the treatment and placement of vocals, uh, you can be a, a lot cooler with them being loud if they sound awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that doesn't have to do with the performance. That is like literally just the treatment of the vocal, you know, where this thing's sitting. Yeah. I mean, we learned you know, a lot. We, we had this song, um, The Gold, and we were trying to f- finish up our record and we took the record. We probably had it like 85% done and took it to this great producer, John Congleton in LA. And that chorus of, um, that song is all vocals, like eight of my vocals and a bunch of Roberts. And, you know, they work very nicely together with the right amount of reverb. You solo one of them and dry it up. You know, we really have like a problem on our hands. <clears throat> and so John, you know, is summing everything, putting it into the, the desk, um, just to, you know, we just wanted him to kind of paint on it. And he, he's so cool. He was like, yeah, I'll just add a bunch of shit and then you can delete what you want. And we were like, that sounds great, man. You just have fun. So we spent a week with him, but he pulled it up, man. And when he pressed play and I was so excited for him to hear the chorus and it was patched kind of weird. And all of a sudden it was literally just like the third and it was my vocal dry, just right down the middle. And it was like... <laughs> jumped up as fast as we could to mute. It's like me and Robert like, no, dude, don't, don't listen to that. It's not supposed to be like that. Never underestimate the power of a dry, loud vocal. <laughs> it oh, can really ruin something. Yeah. That's almost as good as like expecting a, a gnarly guitar lead and then hitting the direct, 
Yes. In the acoustic patch when you're ready to solo. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Blah. Or yeah. like turning off the overdrive pedal right before the big chorus. It's always oh God. one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So when you, did you take those vocal lessons just because I'm such a fan of your, your band and the history of it too. Did you learn those after Clarity or was that before Clarity? That was like after Clarity going in to make Bleed American. Wow. I think your voice I was singing, sounds amazing on both records. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I, 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 did, I did work on, like, I did kind of get more into recording myself going from Static Reveals to Clarity is, like, like actually working on, like, more song stuff on my own. Before mm-hmm. that, it was mainly, like, band rehearsal was where we would do everything, you know? Yeah. But I think, like, like... everything. Like, all of the compositions and every... Yeah, yeah every I was like... Single little. I don't want to say necessarily jamming, is where things came out. But I mean, like you'd be working on something, you'd be just messing around in your room with a riff. Like I have a lot of, I have a lot of riffs on my, yeah. on my four track. And then I would bring that into the band or I would, I would remember it that way. And then I would bring it to the band and like play something. And then we kind of like, everyone wants to sort of figure out what they're doing with that. Or that any one of us could bring in something like that. And then it would be, um, everyone else would kind of figure out what they're, going to contribute to that do you guys still um, work that way anymore like you get in a room and jam stuff out no <laughs> no so no, is it, it we I, we have still stuck by it at least for gathering we call it like broad stroke painting so like we'll, we'll get a cabin go somewhere for a week and just yeah jam multi-track it you know and and get ideas um but there's something about the pressure being off that's really, really rewarding about it. Like my big speech is always like, it doesn't matter. Like we come back with a half song. All this does is gets us closer to the goal of understanding what we want to make next and how we want to do it. Um, so what's your process now? Is it like demo? I, I know what this thing is, you know, we're laying it down. Uh, I mean, I guess it could, I guess it, it could still happen as a result of jamming, but it's not, it's usually like somebody does something an idea. and well, it might not even be an idea. It's just, <laughs> they do something. And for whatever reason, like, you know, like I'll, I'll hear the next part. Yeah. I or the, I'll hear the next thing that I was like, Oh wait, do that again. Do that again. It's awesome. You know? And then something could start from that. Um, a lot of times I'll be working on something on my own. Like I just I still do the same sort of thing, you know, like I'll record things on my own, but now I just like add a bunch of other stuff to it. You know, yeah. it's sort of like I have all these other tools I can chase that idea with instead of just, um, you know, a delay pedal <laughs> or a looper yeah. pedal or whatever. <laughs> and there's something about like, I don't know, that's really fun to do when we do get in a room like that, but it's sort of, that's as long as we can do it. Like it's very, it's mentally exhausting to, to really like commit yourself to 10, 10 different ideas a day that you're jamming. And all of a sudden, you know, you're like, okay, that's like 27 things here. Let's go home and sleep for a while. And then we'll start, you know, going through them and see what's up. There's something yeah. nice about everybody having their own little stations too. Like, you know, my guys will, you know, be like, Hey, here's like a little, here's five seconds of something. And mm-hmm. like you said, that amazing moment, I feel that way with melody as well. Like, when something is b- 
being played, I can just like hear what I think should be there. Um, yeah, I mean that's really the that's really that's really all you're trying to do is 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 like um, give yourself that prompt where you hear the next thing that doesn't exist yet, and that's then you're off. Then you start chasing stuff, you know. Then it then you're off. Have you done any songwriting? I just got into this a few years ago, but doing songwriting with just kind of off the wall outside of our genre people before. Have you experimented with that? Uh, Not necessarily for Jimmy stuff, just for like fun. I've I've done a couple sessions that that are with people that aren't in the necessarily same the same perceived fan yeah, perceived world, ecosystem. I guess yeah. I don't know. Who knows what Who knows what world that we're in? I think we're rock bands. That's what uh, I like to tell myself. Yeah. No, but you do learn. I mean, not a whole lot's come out of that. Really, but but, but um. You know, I, I can't I, I, say I've learned stuff that's like blown my mind uh, or influenced me specifically, but it's certainly like I always find it knocks something loose a little bit just mm-hmm. seeing somebody else's completely different process, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I have to tell you also, when we heard your cover of Telepath, we should probably talk Oh, yeah, about let's that talk about too. that. Um, that was an amazing moment, man. Like we our, our, our uh, mini album had just come out and had done like some YouTube live thing. So I was sort of all excited in, in my studio down here and it, the link came through at like 1230 at night and whole band just all texting each other like, this is insane. We oh yeah, because you, you didn't know what song we were going to do. Right, so we didn't tell each other, which was yeah. kind of fun. Um, yeah, and I just, it was very much a moment of like, uh-oh, they might have beaten us. Do we need to go back and add some stuff? <laughs> no, it's not a competition, Andy. <laughs> yes, it is, Jim. <laughs> yes it is um, no but we were just I, I thought y'all killed it and I was curious just how the process of picking it and you and I haven't really talked about it I was curious yeah. how it all came to be I mean obviously we both had the idea to do it but um, yeah yeah. Um, I, look at, I look at when you're doing cover songs you could do the karaoke version right? which is like fun because yep. you get to pretend like you're in that band yep or you could say there are no rules. What you embellish, what you develop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, and I think uh, it's that that way is more exciting usually for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, what do I hear about this? You know, it, with telepath, it's like, well, it's it's kind of um, it's a it's a it's a really interesting song because it feels like it has dynamics. It, it 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 moves like you're going you end up somewhere you that's different from where you started for sure right but it feels like this um it's 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 restrained it feels to me like it's 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 like um it's restrained in this way that feels kind of intentional but that makes for like tension yeah in very a way. much so yeah. You know, like yep. everybody, like everybody's laying back. It sounds like on the record, like nobody wants to be the guy on, on, no, on it's, with it's, just, it's, it's floating weirdly. Yeah. You know, in my imagination, it's like, um, the time everyone played it perfectly, but no one really knows the song kind of like, like, that's like, so funny. You say that because that's literally how the, the genesis and basis of that full live band version happened. Like in the original demo, we would over demo by like multi-tracking. So the last couple records we did something 
for better or for worse, we would just hang a mic from the chandelier in this room and just get one room recording. And then the other thing we'd do is we'd bounce it too low so you couldn't turn it up and rock out. So you just made you listen to it right here. Right. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that song is exactly that. It was like a fire in the room. You can hear it crackling. We barely know the song. I know the song because I brought the song in, but I also maybe have played it three times before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we chased that exact moment for the whole thing. That's, that's right. awesome. That tension is there of it, like kind of riding this weird line of about to fall off at any moment, but it's not that kind of wild song. Right. You know, it's exactly. like sort of like there's the, there's the juxtaposition of that. It's like it, it's not, it's very subtly dangerous. <laughs> I love that. So it's like, you. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought like, what if you, what if you took off the governor and let it get like as absolutely wild as it could be? Yeah. Is your version where everyone in your band is the guy and yeah, where none of us can of, step up like, to be the guy. It's <laughs> a bunch guys. of guys. It's a bunch of guys and we've cloned ourselves to have more guys <laughs> and we're all, and we're all like running around with bullhorns telling everyone we're the guy. That's so funny. I, I mean, we, I absolutely love it. I really, really do. It was like an amazing kind of life moment for me is listening and loving your band and your music for as long as I have. And um, we were just honored, man, by it truly, deeply. Um, and so speaking of our version of it, I think we did the thing you just said, which is we tried to be in Jimmy Eat World by our cover. <laughs> I, think it sounds, so, I think it sounds like a departure, though. I mean, it's not like... For sure, for sure. We explored avenues of like... Um, of that, we you know we do have that what you were saying of like you try and totally flip it on its head, but when there's so many songs that we love and that for us was like in a way, and I don't I I don't want to make you feel weird by it, but like the opening of Clarity, you know, to us in a lot of ways is like trying to cover like you know breathe from dark side of the moon like this like this is a holy track this is an ordained song that we um that we have held in our in our brains and hearts forever and so when we were trying to fuck around trying to find different ways to do certain things it was more like no i think our best act here is of like tribute and appreciation and like yeah let's be ourselves and throw in the things that we love and, yeah. and weird it up you know the way that we like to but i really love too that we both did different things, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's a very cool split in that sense. Yeah, no, totally. Approaching any idea is kind of like that too. It's sort of, um, not only you're, you're chasing the ideas you're excited about and you're like trying to make real the thing you hear in your head that happens next. But, um, you do have to, you do have to sort of be willing to kill your darlings and let the, not be precious about the, the thing that's it's supposed to be. Totally. Or you're just, or you're not going to get any anything like exciting. Yeah, our producer Catherine, um, this amazing woman from Australia, she'll say, you know, uh, she's got this great deep Australian voice, and she'll go, "Not all the children get to go to college." You're like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> <laughs> that's good, and that's, that's good. she. She means that even more viciously of like chopping songs from a record. You know, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. just sometimes I don't get to go. Mm-hmm. which is a toughie, you know, especially if you love a song too. And it's like, that's been something I've been trying to learn more and more and um, reducing instead of adding and like, just cause it's a great song or I think it's a great song doesn't mean that it um, helps the entire body of work. Um, 
and perhaps there's places for other songs that don't fit on records. You and I spoke a little bit about this before, yeah. but um, they kind of get more of a, a, a spotlight or a little bit more room to breathe and shine as opposed to like a track eight through 10 on a record that has 15 songs. Um, you know, you, if people are able to look at a song like an album, I think that's an exciting I- idea as well, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, that's why we put out a couple singles since uh, things opened up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, instead of, instead of just working on an album, we, have a, we had a bunch of ideas and we started organizing them in, in like what would make a good album. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start making decisions before anything has really happened based on what an album might look like. And that's you, really interesting. You, you also, yeah. you also like make choices with songs you are working on to make them fit more with the body of work where if you take that away and this is an Island, it can be any kind of Island. It wants to be, you do make different creative choices when you're not thinking about like, does this fit with these other songs? When does it have to be, does yeah. it have to, it doesn't, you know, like maybe it doesn't, maybe it really wants to be this. Like we've definitely killed stuff that, didn't want to go a place that we were trying to make it go mm-hmm. because we wanted it to fit in with other things that we right. had settled upon as the body, the main body of the album. You know, it's just a different, it's just, you know, like it really got me thinking like, uh, wow, how many, has that happened a lot? And I've never, I never realized it that I'm making choices based on what these other songs that I know that I, like I, I identify as the album that, that yeah like the identity wanna... making something match the identity for something and then perhaps cutting off its legs you know and not giving it a real shot to be the the weirdo it wants to be you know that might stand out on the record yeah at what point at what point do you start thinking of like big picture questions like that when you're working on material well so like generally I'm hoping to snag like eight songs that are going to sort of be like some sort of backbone. And then I can start to feel a little bit more comfortable about the identity. It doesn't mean those eight are safe, but it certainly kind of gives me like an idea of sort of where the record's going. Sometimes I write pretty thematically too, Mm -hmm. um, but that can be tough because like something that's, I found really important the last like two records is subtext for characters, which involves writing songs that nobody hears. But because I'm writing the subtext, it's helping involve and inform what these characters are doing. <laughs> you know, so like... Right. Um, so if, you're so have, if you have something, if you have a song that you're really liking and your idea is your speaker is somebody that's like um, unlikable... <laughs> Yes. Or they're they're making choices that aren't necessarily like you know that that's not what you should do, correct? But but they're making them, and this is their journey. Like how do yeah. I? I it's not like you'll actually go off and write a few songs to, to with that to mindset help. specifically that maybe get thrown away. Yes, because that's their 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 yeah. Uh, workshopping it's the imp- character, I guess, in a way. It's important. It's correct. So it's important to like inform. You know, I'm working on a story right now and I'm so early in it, but I, you know, I just wrote a perspective, I wrote a song from the perspective of someone who falls in love with this character during their life. 
not important at all to the story, not important at all to the arc, but writing the song from this person's perspective about this character that I'm trying to zone in on and doing 12 paragraphs on, oh, interesting, I didn't know that detail about this person's life. I guess they lived in Arkansas during this period of time. Oh, that's interesting, you know, and I, I really get nerdy and love sort of meant, and I never tell anybody what anything's really about, um, because I think it's probably not as good as people um, imagine it to be. But for me, I really like to figure out the who the characters are. And then what I end up finding out is, you know, what you were just saying is interesting to bring it back around is like, I think I write character when I can't crack the code on a personal issue that I'm going through. And so I might pick a completely unknown to me interesting story, something I've been influenced by, something I've read. Okay, interesting. Well, let's write this out. And so, you know, I wrote this story about this guy who who can't die. Like he was cursed and he's and he runs in this relay every year for for a hundred years and he falls in love with this woman that doesn't speak English, but he just keeps coming back to this relay every year, every year, every year. And he watches her pass and watches the family come back and he's just sort of enamored with this family he doesn't know. That I find out a year later, that's like me <laughs> feeling, you know, this repetitiveness of life during COVID and trying to process and work through, you know, certain things in my life I was going through. So I think like the yeah. no rule idea in that sense is I, I follow that as well, where it's like, I don't have to write like the great next, you know, the next great American novel or story, but this is stuff that gets me really interested and like yeah. digging no, think- a little deeper layered, you know? Yeah, it comes back to like, how do you remove you from this? Right, right. Because to get the most genuine version of yourself. How, how do I remove <laughs> me from this in order to feel like safe to just go? Being and and and, and in that, you, like your enthusiasm, your excitement, does an idea arrive? Is like the 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 compass bearing for which direction to drop the hammer and run, you know, like, and however that comes, like, no matter where you look, you're going to find yourself in right. any of that. So it's like, you know, like, uh, 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 like a common writer's exercise, object writing, you know, pick a noun and just set a timer and like try to describe that thing hitting all five senses, senses, you know? include each one. The point is not to get anything useful from that. It's to like get your brain moving, but you're going to read back similarities to what you're going through to where you're at in this thing, you know, like even how often lyrically do you feel, you know, like just life is, life is hard and interesting where, you know, I always call it like the two different buckets. There's like the, the inspiration and then you get all the inspiration and then you pour it into the, the writing bucket and then that writing bucket, at least that's for like the personal, the, uh, the personal narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm rarely in a place where I feel like you just said, sort of like pure and vulnerable and able to like, just like about myself. That's sort of when that does happen, it's awesome. And I love accepting it and following it. But it's not every day that you walk into the studio and you're like, I think I'm just going to spill my guts about like everything that's ever you know bothered me or this because you have you have to learn and process and grow and figure out what you do think about you know those things. If if you are in a state like that, you're experiencing it from a third person perspective almost. Like, hey, that sounds cool. 
Like you're not, it's not you communicating, or at least me. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, it's not me purposely communicating something. I just have to communicate. It's like, I'm watching myself do this thing. And mm-hmm. I agree with myself that's doing this thing. It's not, I'm not satisfying this need to make sure you know me. It's, right. it's like, right. here's this thing. How is like, am I effectively expressing this thing in a way that I feel is accomplishing just that? Which is to me like kind of the most rewarding feeling I've found, you know, mm-hmm. in, in all of this is like that, that mode of creation, feeling that connection, feeling the getting myself out of the way. How am I the least important thing here? Um, those are times I really look, it's like, you know, obviously amazing moments with family, but like really that's the moment where I go, Oh, I'm definitely supposed to be doing this. Like I just feel, <laughs> I feel yeah. complete here, you know? Yeah. See, for me, it's like, if I know that there are buckets, I can't write anything. <laughs> okay. Explain that. If I start, if I start like, yeah, there's your inspiration bucket, there's your, your writing bucket. And if I, sure. if I become, if I realize that there are buckets, I can't see the buckets. It's, it's like, huh. I can only see the, you know, I guess I, I call it an experience bucket more than an inspiration bucket. So it's like, you know, um, all of my records generally, We'll talk about sort of the three or four years surrounding it. Yes. Um, and, you know, in that way. Um, so I used to get freaked out all the time about writer's block. You know, you like finish a record and I just couldn't write anything forever. And then I know like, that one. And then for me, the buckets were very helpful to go, no, there's buckets and they're both empty. So just like chill and relax. And <laughs> eventually you just live your life, and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and one of them is going to fill up and you see what yeah, happens. Yeah, I do agree. That. You need life to say something about. And that happens with time mm-hmm. that's it that's like, it you can definitely just dig into into character mode and develop and develop and get nuances get everything you possibly can about the speaker of a song who's there with them what time of year is it, it like as, sure. as, as tangential as you can possibly get to get every single detail and let your mind roll like that but i mean you're still going to be describing you and if you Correct. haven't grown or experienced anything you're going to be saying the same thing. Yes. In just I agree. a different way. And maybe and maybe that's not bad because that's me. Yeah, you know, like that there's, makes a, there's sense. a fundamental you that's <laughs> yeah. you're just you're just you you I have lived, mm-hmm. but I I found myself saying a lot of the same things just kind of in a more informed experienced way. I just listened to Paul Simon's last, I think it's his final album. It just came out and he's one of my favorites of all time. Um, it's called Seven Psalms. You know, he retires and he says, I'm not going to write any more records. And then he says, God comes to him in a dream and says, no, you're going to make this record called Seven Psalms. And he's like, I don't even know what a psalm is, but I guess I'll start doing my research. Um, and I'm listening to this record and it sounds like Paul Simon. And he's saying a bunch of things that he said before because he's Paul Simon and he's made a million records. And I'm happy about that. I want to hear mm-hmm. Paul Simon say more Paul Simon things. I am interested in his journey and how he looks at things and... Yeah, I know what you mean. Like there's almost even grammatically, there are just things that I fall into and and, um, and what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like my morals, I guess, or like who I am. Like they're like, yes, me. Yeah, what makes me is hopefully that thing changes and evolves and 
and improves and, and strives to be better. That's the, the goal, right? Um, but also, you know, I'm not, I think the second I try to write, I would never try to write a song talking about somebody that I'm not, that would feel really wrong, you know? Uh-huh. I think the genuine part of the therapy part of it, the part that that's kind of amazing, you know, like go to therapy and they go, you know, do you journal? It's like, yeah, I mean, like about 150 songs worth of journals, you know, that's sort of what I do. <laughs> um, I think there's a connection that people feel with that as well, you know, and I like not having to think about connecting with people, but being as real as I can be, even if it is through character work. And then noticing that that thing does connect with people, you know, it's real. By having a character say the things that like that you're thinking, but you can because it's not you. Yeah, there's a little more freedom to to say stuff that maybe is a little too painful to to say or think, you know, in that moment. And then what's great is I never tell anybody their character songs. It doesn't really matter, you know, just people interpret it the way that they interpret it. Um, yeah, that's fun. That's always <laughs> fun to find out later on. The, the people who really relate to something in a way that's not at all where you were coming from or even thought it's, and that's rad. rad. It's rad. It's, it's, it's just, it's just interesting and it's kind of funny, but it's like, and it's rad because that's what's supposed to happen. Like there's a lot of art that is special to me for probably no reason at all of what its intention was. It wouldn't have been possible to conceive the, the, the uh the way i like would would assimilate it to my life yeah from the creator's perspective like, no way at all and yeah, that's it's almost like it it's yours. not don't it's it's not don't meet your heroes it's just like don't ask your heroes what what their songs about <laughs> sometimes yeah i go back and forth with that man when i was when i was younger that was always like a, a kind of defense because i didn't feel confident I'm not telling you what this is about, dude. This is for you to make up your mind. And now I kind of like, I see it can be interesting to know things up to a point, but like, why do you need to know them? Do you want to make sure that what you feel is right? Yeah. Like how, how how, why do you need to be right? Like you feel what you feel like, you know, or is it, is it just generally interesting? Like, Oh, that's fascinating about like Eddie Van Halen playing it that way. Like I didn't didn't know, like he made that choice because of this. It's not, it's not because, oh, dude, did you mean that this song is, like, supposed to say this? To yeah, me? totally. Like, I, don't, I don't really care. Like, that's, I, it, means, it means this to me, and that's mine. Exactly. It, it like, belongs to you. I don't yeah. need the artist, I don't need the creator person to validate that that what I feel is 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 on the mark or not, you know? like Yeah, I was always just afraid to ask and then find out it wasn't, you know, the, the layered meaning right. that I had right. table for glasses about acid. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to uh, know, dude. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, really? kind of an acid vibe on that. Like, yeah. yeah, dude, that's about getting messed up in Panama city out on the yeah, beach. I took six <laughs> drops of liquid acid and wrote that song. <laughs> I don't even know what it's about, man. Thanks, uh, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I gotta go talk over talk to this guy over here now. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. Thanks for coming out. Uh, awesome. Well, hey, thanks a lot for making time to to, course, to wrap man. out, man. It's super super rad. 
I look forward to many more of these conversations, not filmed or recorded, but just yes. uh, over the next couple of months, man. Really, it's such a pleasure.